Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, handball out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal! Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh! kicked the goal from inside the centre. Welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, heading into round 20 of the AFL season. I can't believe how quickly that's come around. As always, the pod is proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. Uh, My name is Eddie Dads. Uh, As always, I will be running you through all things Supercoach related this evening. Uh, But we've got a couple of the best in the business off a couple of massive scores, let me tell you, uh, in round 19. They're joining me on the Zoom call at the moment. Uh, First up, we've got the SC Bandit, who top scored uh, in our our SC Playbook League, uh, a league which is going very well just quietly, boys. We're ranked eighth overall out of all of the leagues. But Bandit, uh, you lit the house on fire this week. Talk me through it. Howdy. Yeah, I did manage to pull out a, a good score. It all sort of came with a rush on uh, on Sunday Arvo in the Twilight game with the Saints and and North. Some some huge scores in that in that game pushed me up to uh, two thousand six hundred and eighty five uh, for the week, which was very nice. I thought I was going to get absolutely trounced by you in in that head to head league, but uh, yeah, came, yeah, came home with a wet sail and, and got the chockies. So that was um, that was good. So that uh, yeah pushed me up to. Just outside the top 2,000 overall now, so I've climbed um, just over 2,000 spots in the last four weeks, which is um, which is pretty good. Unreal. Coming home with a very wet sail, and yeah, geez, that was a that was a tough watch on Sunday. But it was every Jack Steele point and Harry Sheasel point were were causing me physical pain um, by late Sunday Arvo. So that wasn't good to see, but it was good to see you with a massive score. Uh, and on the other end of the line, we've got uh, Charlie Dads, the the editor editor in chief over at scplaybook.com.au, chief. How are you on this Tuesday evening? Good, thank you, Eddie. Um, yeah, going well. Just uh, got home from footy training, had a bit of dinner, and um, yeah, very keen to chat some Supercoach tonight. How's your team tracking along? How'd you go over the weekend? I uh, was a little bit behind Bandit, but not too far. I finished with a 2,610, um, and that pushed me up to 3,018. Um, so yeah, just knocking on the door of the top 3K and been... Uh, yeah, it's been a weird season. The last month in particular, I've been a bit up and down. So, yeah, it's good to see some green arrows eventually. Yeah, love it. You are one of the other ones as well who had uh, had Jack Steele and, and Harry Sheasel on Sunday, Arvo. So, was also very much not enjoying you with uh, with those scores coming in as well. Um, but, yeah, very keen to chat all things Supercoach with you boys this evening. Uh, we've got a lot to get through. Um, I was actually really happy with my score. Over the weekend, I finished with a 2640. Uh, which I thought um, going into Sunday morning, I thought was uh, was going to be really competitive for the for the weekly target. I was sort of following SC data on Twitter, and he was saying um, the weekly was looking at about twenty seven hundred, and I was like, oh, I'm a chance at cracking that. But then, uh, yeah, just fell off in the end on Sunday. Uh, didn't have steel, didn't have Sheasel, so uh, those ones hurt. But uh, we're up to four thousand four hundred ninety six for the year. A nice little one thousand ranking uh, bump over the weekend, which we absolutely love. Uh, boys, uh, this year we've been doing our SC Playbook Most and Least Valuable Player of the Year votes. Uh, it's getting close to the end of the season, so I'm intrigued to see where these guys end up. We've got a couple of really interesting rankings. Uh, but, yeah, to kick us off this week, I'll give you my Most Valuable Player of the Week votes. Uh, my one vote goes to Darcy Cameron, who uh, was looking like a bit of a mistake trade uh, last week. He's had a couple of bad scores in a row, but... He was back to his best um, in that Port game uh, on Saturday night. Charlie and I were there at the Oval, and uh, I was giving Charlie minute-by-minute uh, minute updates on Darcy Cameron's score that the hit-outs to advantage were just phenomenal. He was winning every single tap against 
Scott Lysette, which uh, doesn't seem too hard to do at this point, but yeah, he was dominant with the one three five. Uh, two votes for mine go to Tom Stewart, who busted out a one five two, including some centre bounce attendances. Bandit, we we need to talk about that a little bit later because uh, that's a new string to the Tom Stewart bow, which uh, which I'm very excited to see. So he got a one five two. He gets my two votes, uh, and three votes go to Sisdorg James Sicily, who just could not have bounced back any better from that stinker against North Melbourne last week. He dropped a one seven one. Uh, was absolutely phenomenal. Can't believe the Hawks lost that game uh, after being up by about 30 points with five minutes to go in the third quarter. But Sisdog was amazing. Can't believe it, boys, but Sam Doherty's missed out on my votes with a one five six. So that tells you about how Excuse. good some of the scores were this weekend. Bandit, before we get into your votes, uh, what the hell happened with Hawthorne? <laughs> oh, I don't, well, I don't know, mate, because I was, I was playing footy. I uh, got, a, got a score update from one of our uh, support staff at the game at uh, <laughs> half time of our game. And he said, oh, mate, don't worry about it. They're, they're winning easy. And I was like, sweet, happy days. And then, uh, yeah, we got off the ground from our game. And, uh, yeah, all the updates were they, they got done on the done on the final siren just about. So that was um, that was a little bit disappointing. So, um, yeah, it's just, just one of those things, unfortunately. Just Hilarious. improves the draft pick a little bit maybe. But, um, yeah, no, you've got to be happy with how the Hawks have been going recently. They, they actually got a, got a bit of young talent. I mean, I, I, the first one to stick the boots into Charlie, given he's a Hawks fan, but I do like where the boys are at. Um, what about your votes for most valuable player of the year, Bandit? Yeah, I went, I went a bit down the uh, Stevie Nico path of just giving a slightly different um, configuration this week just to try I and like get it. an extra player in there. So um, gave one to, to Marcus Windhager. Uh, I've had to field him. Um, both the last two weeks covering for Darcy Cameron um, a couple of weeks ago and then Rory Laird uh, the week just gone. And um, he's been awesome. Um, he scored 19 he um, a couple of weeks ago and then pulled out a, a ton against North on on Sunday. So um, that new sort of halfback role that he's playing a little bit um, looks like it's, it's suiting him quite nicely. Um, and he could be decent cover for the rest of the year, which would be, which would be nice. Um, gave one to Sam Doherty. I know you couldn't squeeze him in, but I did squeeze him in for... One vote with his um, 150 plus on the on the weekend against West Coast. Um, Love it. Gave two to to our boy uh, Chief Jack Steele. Um, mm. One sixty. Oh, he, he's back. The, the yeah. man of steel is back. So he's officially back. Yeah, fingers crossed he can um, maintain that form for the rest of the year. And yeah, gave two to James Sicily as well. Um, owners who traded him in last week would have been a little bit disappointed, given that he got tagged against North. But uh, yeah, normal service resumed against Richmond, and he was uh, intercepting and distributing at will. I don't know if I like the Stevie Nico method of breaking up votes. I feel like he gave about five extra votes last week in this segment. <laughs> uh, he does what he wants, Nico. He's our runner-up. He's allowed to do anything that he wants. Uh, Charlie, what about your most valuable player of the of the week votes? Uh, yeah, gave one vote to Harry Sheasel. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the highest score on my side, but uh, it was a, a pretty obvious trade out. I reckon a, maybe a month ago, off the back of a couple of low scores, and yeah, he's pulled out some some a couple of really good weeks in a row, which has been great. It Even really up tag two weeks ago, um, yeah, he looks like he's got the roll back down at, at half back in that seagull position. Um, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. Gave two votes to Sam Doherty uh, for that 152 or 154, I believe it was. Um, yeah, it just looked great. It was around the footy, split split his time pretty evenly uh, between half back and midfield. But no, he looks good. And then three votes to yep yeah, our boy Bandit Jack Steele. Unbelievable. Um, it's great to be a part of. It's a great to be an owner. And I don't know how you're going without him, Eddie. Um, but, yeah, I can say that I'm, I'm loving just seeing his name in my team and, and seeing him pump out 160s oh, no. and 140s, left, right and centre. 
Yeah, this boys, this whole Jack Steele thing is running a bit of buzzball at the moment. Uh, it's a cult. It was a bad decision. It was a bad declaration. And uh, you guys have brought Jack Steele in. It was a mistake. Uh, and now it's it's it, for some reason it's starting to look good. And I absolutely hate it. It's, I'm detesting it. Um, just back to the to the Harry Sheasel thing. Uh, one lesson I think we've all learned this season, but um, should have learned should have also learned last season is that I think these really good rookies um, that the rookie wall kind of isn't a thing anymore. Uh, the Sheasels, the Ashcrofts, the Nick Dacos last year, um, they're just pushing through this rookie wall. And um, yeah, myself bitterly regretting trading out Sheasel a few weeks ago, um, was regretting Will Ashcroft as well until that horrible knee injury, which was definitely not anything uh, that could have been predicted. But yeah, I think that's a lesson to take into next year is that, um, yeah, just not going to trade these guys out. If they're good enough, uh, they're going to stay in your team and they can sit as a, sit at worst case as a D7 or, or an F7. So uh, good one to chalk up. Now, boys, it's been a really long AFL season already. And if you're super coach team has been stinking it up and you've been dreaming about cocktails on the beach in mexico eating gelato in rome or not being able to remember half your time in vegas with the boys pat and george from mortgage choice can help you get there whatever you want to do and wherever you'd like to go you can speak to the boys today about how you can get quick and easy access to cash at the lowest rate possible so you can book that last minute flight today message them on their instagram handle at pat and george mortgage choice to get it sorted you can also jump into any of the articles on the SC Playbook website for their email or phone contact details. Now, don't forget, if you do mention the SC Playbook podcast when talking to Pat and George, then you won't pay the usual $129 fee. Boys, before we move on to the next segment, I did want to just do our least valuable player of the week votes before I forget. Um, I will kick us off. I've got one vote for Zach Merritt, who was terrible as my vice captain on Friday night against the Bulldogs. Um, was really expecting more from both him and the Bombers. Uh, so he gets one. Kieran Briggs uh, is going to appear in these votes for the first time this year. He gets a two. Um, yeah, not so much his poor performance as the fact that uh, it's just looking like Max Gorn is going to be one of those guys that you're going to need to have for the back end of the season. And yeah, I'm not going to be able to get him because I don't have the trades, uh, which is disappointing. And then three votes. I think we're probably all going to have the same three this week. I'd be surprised if we don't. Uh, Errol Goulden gets my three for a bit of a stink bomb that he dropped. Uh, 66. A lot of I saw a lot of teams with the with the straight captain armband on Errol. So uh, luckily didn't go with that, but uh, he was a bit of a burn job this week. Uh, Charlie, what about your least valuable players? I've gone a bit controversially, but I've gone one vote for Rory Laird. Um, just I for like him it. needing, yeah, just for him needing to take the week off. Um, yeah, I mean it's probably fair enough. Uh, they're I saving like him for the showdown, but yeah, that's not the standards that I've set in my team. They need to be tough. Love it, absolutely um, love it. Thank you. Two votes goes to Timmy Taranto. Uh, mm. just, if it wasn't for that last quarter, I think he would have finished on like 60 or something. He, um, Yeah, he had a pretty pretty woeful first three um, and then just exploded in that last thing. He kicked two goals, um, had a fair few of the footy, a fair, fair few touches as well. So, yeah, if it wasn't for that last quarter, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been a very good score. And then, yeah, three votes goes to Errol Goulden. As you said, Eddie, I think I can probably put money that Bandit's going to Chuck the three votes on him as well because that that performance was uh, was not great. Yeah, sixty six. Um, and yeah, as you said, he was a Ben. I think he was your, your captain, or he was the the profile of your captain's article. And yeah, it did not turn out well. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully he can bounce back. Errol's going to be in a very rare position where he's going to he's going to finish top five in both our most and least valuable players of the year awards, which is just going to be a hilarious turn of events. I can't really believe that's going to happen. Uh, Bandit, uh, before we move on, your your least valuable player votes, please. Yeah, I gave one to um, a lot the guy that a lot of people would have had covering Laird this week, um, being uh, Matthew Johnson. Just had a really poor game um, against the Swans, only scored twenty nine super coach points. 
um, which would have been a, a bit of a disaster for those who had to field him. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, gave two to Noah Anderson, who's been a little bit off the boil lately. I'm um, not really sure what the um, what the reason behind that is. I know Sam Flanders has sort of come into the midfield mix for the for the Suns. Um, but yeah, he's sort of last sort of three or four weeks has been a little bit below par considering a lot of people would have traded him in as sort of that final um, midfield piece in their, in their teams. Um, and then, yeah, three votes, unfortunately, to, to my boy Errol. I think this is the third time I've given him um, worst on ground for the round when I've been on the pod. So, uh, yeah, not, uh, not ideal. But, um, yeah, like I've said before, he's still just a bit inconsistent with his output. So, um, fingers crossed that won't be an issue for him um, beyond this season. Yeah, I really just don't trust that Suns midfield outfit at the moment. Um, was very, obviously very hot on Sam Flanders last week. Uh, didn't pull the trigger on it for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, that, that Suns midfield just gives me the ick at the moment. Um, just too many guys fighting for not enough minutes there and some weird decisions going on in that midfield group. Uh, boys, the big questions this week. We've got a lot to get through. So I want to start us off uh, just as we did last week with just a bit of a check-in on the injuries and availabilities or unavailabilities that we've got going on around the going on around the league. Uh, I think every team is, is copying it to some extent at the moment. Um, if you're not, you are, you are very, very lucky or you've planned your team very, very well. So um, just a quick sort of couple of sentence update on where you, these guys are at with, uh, with the latest Twitter scuttlebutt or wherever else you've managed to pull in your information from. Uh, what can you tell us about Rory Laird, Bandit, who missed last week, I believe, with a sore shoulder? Yeah, the news is sounding pretty positive. So I saw on Twitter today that Channel 9 uh, reporter Josh Money, I think it was, from the Adelaide newsroom tweeted that um, the Crows are pretty confident that Laird will get up for, for the week. Um, he's going to be listed as a test, but um, yeah, all the signs are early doors that he's going to be right to play in the showdown, which is going to be a massive game for, for both sides. So that'll be um, a welcome return for a lot of coaches. I think it's. I think we might be a little bit lucky that the Crows are in the showdown this week because I feel like if it was uh, if it was most other games, mm. they might give Laird another week or so to to, to rest up. But yeah, they're, they're, he's not going to miss a showdown. It's it's going to be packed. That led over one of the biggest. Show, I mean, we, I think we say it every year, but one of the biggest showdowns we've had um, in recent memory, given the uh, the stakes on offer for both teams. What about Jordan Ridley, Charlie? He made yeah, as we talked about, a, a bit of a miraculous recovery a couple of weeks ago. Um, that seems to have uh, come to a crashing halt, unfortunately. Yeah, look, I'm not sure if it's related to the um, to the MCL or the hyperextension that he suffered, but he he did come away with the with a high grade quad strain, um, and yeah, he's expecting this four to six weeks, which uh, which probably or potentially puts him out of the uh, the whole regular season. So yeah, he's a, an immediate trade. Hopefully, you've got trades left um, in your team, but um, yeah, that's just a cruel. Very cruel blow for owners because he'd he'd had a he'd been in a bit of a purple patch up until this point. Yeah. Um, looked like a, a, a brilliant player down in uh, in defence, but yeah, so he's going to miss. Yeah, looks like the rest of the home and away season. I'm impossibly conflicted with that one because I'm dev- devastated as a Bombers fan that he's going to miss, uh, but I'm also stoked as a Redmond owner that he's going to miss. So uh, yeah, bit of bit of conflicting reports there, but um, yeah, very sad for Jordan Ridley. He's been like you said, he came back unbelievably well from that injury. I mean, you have to think it's kind of related. Like I think you just start moving a little bit differently when, when you have that sort of, uh, that sort of injury scare to your knee. So yeah, unfortunately might not see him again this season. What about Marcus Bontempelli bandit? I actually didn't pick this one up during the game, um, but you mentioned it in our chat. Uh, what's, what's been going on with him? Yeah. Bevo said post-match in his, in his presser that he's been managing a bit of a calf um, complaint. So um, people would have seen that he played with it strapped up on on Friday night. Um, didn't seem to slow him down too much. I think he still had 30-plus and, and kicked a couple of goals. So, 
that was um, a pretty good effort given that um, he's clearly being managed during the week. But um, he's kind of in a similar boat to Laird, I guess, where, you know, given the dogs are in the race for the, the bottom part of the top eight, um, he's going to need to just play even if he's not quite 100%, especially this week against GWS, which is going to be a massive game for for both clubs. It's almost a mini final for, for those two, mm-hmm. really. So, um, yeah, you'd think he'll he'll just be managed during the week. And, um, yeah, like if he's just going to have to play some strapping or something, then, then so be it. Low-key, I mean, not even low-key, high-key my favourite uh, rivalry in the league, uh, the Dogs, GWS, and, yeah, pumped for this weekend's game. It's it's going to be a cracker, like you say, Bando. I mean, no hotter team in the AFL than GWS at the moment. They've been fantastic. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. What about Rowan Marshall, Charlie? He's been just superb the last couple of weeks, but there is some sort of – he's carrying some sort of niggle. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, it was a bit of a, a, bit of a bombshell to come out. I think it was yesterday. Um yeah, coach came out and, and said that he almost didn't play on the weekend. Um, had to have a fitness test right before, and I think they actually thought that Tom Campbell was going to have to come in. Um, obviously, I don't know what the what the exact issue was, but it clearly wasn't big because yeah, Romar came out and, and pumped out a one twenty four. So I think he's put that behind him, and he and he hopefully should be all right from here on. Excellent. Um, yeah, obviously desperately need Romar to be back in. Um, yeah, some sort of ankle complaint, but yeah, we'll see. It sounds like he's going to be okay to get up this week. Sam Walsh. Bandit, uh, not good news for Nico. Uh, I think Nico's due a bit of bad news. He's had a, had a good run over the last few weeks. But, yeah, Sam Walsh not looking particularly good. Yeah, Nico and Dill are both uh, cast with this um, with this news, unfortunately. Yeah, low-grade hamstring out of that game against West Coast on the weekend. So, um, yeah, that's generally a two- to three-weeker, probably a three-weeker at this time of this time of year, given Carlton are in the mix to, to make finals. They'd want to make sure he's cherry ripe if they do happen to make it. So, um, yeah, if you've got trades left and, and you have him in your team, then, yeah, he's definitely worth um, trading out this week. Absolutely. Uh, and then these last couple, what can you tell us about Callum Mills, Bennett? This one sort of popped up and was floating around Twitter yesterday. Uh, this is this doesn't sound great for, for Callum Mills' owners, does it? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. Um, yeah, John Longmire sort of said after the game that they kept him out of centre bounces a little bit this week just to try and keep him out of the rough and tumble because he's been a bit banged up and... And so I couldn't, I didn't see any sort of specific um, injury chat around whether it was, you know, upper body, lower body or anything like that. But um, yeah, he's obviously had some injury issues in the past and um, yeah, like he's just been that sort of player, unfortunately, this year. He hasn't been able to recapture the form of, of 2022, but um, yeah, no suggestion at this stage that he won't play this week. So that's a positive, but um, yeah, one that we'll need to keep an eye on. And if you do have a, you know, M9 loop player like Windhager or, someone like that, it might be worth looping Mills this week just in case he does get subbed out or, you know, managed in a different role to what he normally plays. He's approaching never again status, uh, Callum Mills, I think. Just just that unreliability is is getting a bit much for, for I imagine, most owners. I luckily missed out on him this year, but, yeah, it's it's getting a little bit much. Charlie, last one on my sort of injury availability list is uh, Adam Chera, um, being one of the hottest players in Supercoach for the last six weeks. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, so uh, Damian Ratcliffe from The Age confirmed oh, a couple of days ago, I think, that um, yeah, both he, Patrick Cripps, and Jack Martin are expected to be fit for Friday night, which is a huge result for, for Carlton, um, taking on top of the table the pies um, in, yeah, one of, one of the biggest rivalries of all time. Um, that's a massive in for them, so and a massive in for Supercoach owners as well. 
what a great week of footy we got coming up, boys. Uh, I'm so pumped to watch uh, an absolute crap load of games this weekend. Um, just, yeah, rivalry games across the board. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, can we just touch on also Mason Redmond re-signing, boys? Uh, five years. Been saying on the pod all year that this whole Adelaide Crows thing was just a little ruse to get his value up a little bit. He's added a couple of dollars to his contract, and now he's back where he belongs at Bomberland. Uh, so congratulations to Mason Redmond. Do you think it's going to have any impact on his, uh, on his super coach performances, Bandit? Well, it, it might do, but I think Ridley being able to probably impact him a little bit more. He'll probably be that main um, ball user coming out of out of the back half for the for the Bombers. But uh, yes, I know you've been very keen to have him put pen to paper, Eddie. So you must be uh, you must be happy with that result. Absolutely stoked. Uh, well, just before we move on, the the other thing that to sort of come out of that Jordan Ridley news is. Um, Look, if you're looking, if you, this is this is a bold play, and it's it's probably more of a draft move than anything else. But uh, I would suggest that Kane Baldwin's going to come in this week for for Jordan Ridley. Uh, he's played just the two games so far this year uh, at AFL level, but um, was was actually really good in 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 the first game that he played. Uh, had a 76 against Brisbane at the Gabba. Uh, has been tearing it up, literally tearing it up at VFL level. We uh, had 30 touches and six intercept marks or something last week. He's only 172k. Uh, and he's a forward. So if you are looking for a downgrade option, you need a bit of cash, you don't know where else to go, or, or you're looking for a nice little pickup in a draft league, uh, could go a lot worse than Kane Baldwin, I reckon. Um, just keep an eye on that one. Uh, now, obviously, with all these injuries and things that we've been talking about, uh, boys, the logical sort of next step is is to talk about what you can do to kind of mitigate those. And uh, personally, I've been very guilty this year of, of not uh, sort of plugging the holes that have been cropping up in my, in my team and sort of just trading through them rather than trying to build any sort of long-term plan. So... Um, uh, ben, I kind of just wanted to, to start this discussion with just asking what your general thoughts are on using, you know, I think if anything this year, we've, we've sort of been proved how precious our trades are after some people sort of thinking at the start of the season that, you know, the amount of trades we had was too many, but I think we've all realized that the trades are as precious as ever. What are, you, what are your thoughts on using trades to bring in guys who might not actually contribute scores to your team? So, you know, guys coming in at, at F7 or, or D7 or M9, what, what do you think the value is to, to doing that? Yeah, it probably depends on the the composition of, of what your team looks like at this time of year. Um, I'm kind of I've got two trades left myself, so I'm kind of in the school of um, you know holding off on bringing in that twenty third primo at this stage. Um, and Marcus Windhager in the role that he's playing has probably helped with that because I've got him on my bench and I can swing him forward or or into the mids to sort of cover both lines. But I feel like um, you know trading in you know, a three, 400K player just for the sake of having that extra body there isn't necessarily worth it. I think saving the trade and hanging on to that trade so you can straight swap a, you know, a Rory Laird, for example, or a Sam Walsh is probably a better one, um, just straight to a, a gun primo um, this week rather than relying on that sort of next tier down player who might be averaging 10, 15 points less than than the top liners um, is probably the way to go. Um, and that's that's what I'm doing with my team. I've got two trades left and, you know, probably I'll hold those probably until the last two or three weeks. Or if an injury comes up, I'll just straight swap a, a primo out for, for another one. Um, I, I think the player we want to talk about really here is George Hewitt. Charlie, right? I mean, this is the guy that um, that everyone's talking about on Twitter and, you know, he's looking at a lot. He's been attractive. We've been talking about him on pods over the last couple of weeks. He's he's coming to the side. He's got a fantastic role. Carlton have had a few injuries through the midfield, so he's getting time. You couldn't really bring in Hewitt as a, sort of an M8 at this point, but could, could you think about bringing him in as an M9 if you've got the cash and, say, three or four trades to burn? Yeah, well, that, I mean, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I think 
I totally agree. Like I would never bring him in as an M8. Similar to I would never bring in Flanders as an F6. But I think when you start to, you know, put the M9, F7 category into it, I think it makes a whole lot more sense. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm like, I've been saying it for, for weeks now, but I'm a massive fan of George Hewitt. Um, yeah, it, like he's going to get even more midfield time now with Walsh out. Led the Blues in, in clearances, CBAs, disposals on the weekend. Um, he looks like he's ready to average. What did he average last year? Like 110? Like he looks like he could get up to that again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Had a 78 against Port uh, in his first game back. Uh, sorry, in his second game back. First game back as a full um, rotation player rather than the sub. Uh, and then a one two seven on the weekend. It was against West Coast. I think we really do have to uh, take that with a, with a huge grain of salt. But um, yeah, his break even is negative 36. Uh, as you just said to us here in the side chat there, Bannon, he's 320K down on his starting price, which is unbelievable um, given what he was last year for us. Um, yeah, are there any other sort of um, thoughts that you have on that conundrum, Ben? How many trades would you need to have uh, before you start sort of making these these luxury kind of, I guess, like bench upgrades is probably the best way to put it. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I reckon if you got, if you had three and you wanted to move on like a, a Matthew Johnson, like we talked about earlier, had a really poor game against um, against Sydney on the weekend. Um, you actually make money on trading Johnson to, to Hewitt at this stage and, and Hewitt's obviously a, a much more experienced and, and better player from a super coach standpoint than, than Johnson. So um, yeah, I reckon if you had three trades left and you could just do it in one, that's probably not a, a bad option. Even if you had a bit of cash in the bank and you wanted to go you know, to, from Marrick to, to Hewitt, that's probably not a bad move either. Um, the one concern I have, obviously, is he has been the sub a fair bit this year. Um, and that's probably got to factor into thinking a bit as well, the fact that he hasn't been in Carlton's best 22, um, particularly through the games where they've actually sort of recovered their form a little bit and, and played some decent footy. So that's probably something to think about as well. I will just say, I, I think there is definitely some merit Um you know, in doing it, like looking at the the person ranked number one overall, they're looping Joe Danaher, um, you know, from F7. Um, the weekly winner. That's crazy. Yeah. Like the weekly winner, I believe. I don't know if he had Charlie Kernow outright, but um, yeah, like Charlie Kernow was in there. I assume was a loop and he was using him as, as cover for Rory Laird. But still, like these guys are, yeah, dominating as a result of having these bench players who. You know, you can just play on matchups. Like if if Kerno, for instance, is playing the Eagles, which he's not going to this year, but he's averaging like I, I, I did the math on it. I think he's averaging like 156 in his last three games against the Eagles. <laughs> so you know, there is a lot of merit to to doing this. It's just yeah, it's a it's a matter of trade. So I'd cap it at if you had five left, you could maybe play around with it. Anything below that, I think yeah, you kind of just want to save them for injuries and and you know straight straight swapping or, or you know something like that. But yeah, I I do see both sides of it looping joe danaher is I, I could not describe to you how much i love that like that is that the person who's doing that deserves to win super coach for, for that sort of move like honestly really really love it and um yeah brisbane have got uh, a pretty a reasonably friendly run home they play the suns frio adelaide st kilda so you know joe's every chance to, to have a couple of big games in that and he's, he's got he's got him sorted then the only other question i wanted to ask about this before we move on is um yeah, you're kind of really big into the fixture analysis side of things when, you know, having a look at which players have good loops um, coming up in like which players are playing early in rounds, which players are playing late in rounds. How much stock would you be putting into that uh, before you, like, let's say before you bring in a player like Joe Danaher, uh, would you be looking at his fixture and being like, okay, he's playing three Friday night games, one Saturday morning game. Um, that makes him more attractive as an option for that bench cover. 
Yeah, I've been been tracking some of the numbers in this space um, over the second half of the year in particular. Um, Brisbane aren't a great one. They've got uh, a Friday night game still to come, three games on Saturday during the day and one on Sunday. So he's probably one that you wouldn't look to do that with. Um, the teams that are better are teams like Hawthorne, uh, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide, um, Melbourne and St Kilda. So not, not a heap of sort of super coach relevant players in in that lot, um, but those sort of five teams, along with Fremantle, generally play more of their games on Sundays from from here on out. So, from a looping standpoint, especially with you know non-playing rookies and that sort of thing, if you're looking to just trade in a throwaway rookie, um, they're the kind of, they're the kind of teams that you want to target because they play later in rounds, and then you can use them for for loopholing. Uh, I wanted to just get your thoughts. Uh, if, if someone was in a position where they wanted to do this, I just wanted to get one option from from you for each line. On the field, so you know, I think we'll probably Hewitt will be our genuine, our general consensus for sort of an M nine cover at this point. But Charlie, who would you go if you had a if you had a few trades up your sleeve and you wanted to upgrade? I don't know. I've got a Lewis Melican sitting on the bench uh, in defence. If you wanted to get him up to someone who's I don't know capable of a, a ninety five or a hundred here or there, who would you be looking at? Uh, well, you're starting off in defence. This one's a bit more expensive, but like you can't knock the value here. It's Adam Saad. 445k, so you are going to have to cough up a fair bit, but he's 123k down from his starting price. Started the year off very hot, um, was averaging 115 after the first rounds. He's still got a a season average of 91, um, and I just feel like maybe Doherty was spending a bit more time in the midfield on the weekend. I think that frees Sard up off halfback. Um, Yeah, as I said, like he's a bit... Bit expensive and probably more expensive than than most of these these bench options that we are going to discuss. No, I like but, it. I like it. Yeah, I, I think and he, he's a big game player. Plays the pies at the G Friday night. I think he could go very large this weekend. Yeah, I I, I know that that's a bit more expensive than sort of what we were targeting here, but I think that's perfectly on the money. And yeah, him having a Friday night game this week is is probably the perfect chance to to do it. I mean, bring him in, have a look at him on Friday night. Uh, you can yeah, if you've got Constable sitting there, you could just move Constable on field and, and cop the score. So yeah, really really like that one. Um, for what it's worth, I mean, it's not out of I've got 197k left and one trade for context. Uh, so if I did want to get Lewis Melican up to Saab, that is something I could look at and probably what I will look at prior to the ra- the final round of the season if I don't have any injuries before then. What about you, Bandit? Uh, who's Who should I be looking at in defence uh, if I wanted to get rid of the, the, the Pelican? Yeah, so we're kind of spoiled for choice a little bit. I think there's some some players in this bracket that um, have got decent roles for, for their price and are definitely out, outperforming their their price points. The one that sort of jumps off the page in terms of three-round averages is, is uh, Rainman's boy, Lockie Whitfield. Um, mm. Three-round average of 111. I know he's been a bit of a uh, whipping boy of super coaches in years gone by, but uh, he's putting together a pretty uh, solid back end of the year. So um, probably a little bit pricey at, at 493k, but um, certainly not um, the price of some of the uh, the other top liners that we've got in, um, in defense already. And then the other one as well is um, his teammate Harry Himmelberg, that that defender forward swing is is very useful, um, and he's averaging ninety three from his last three games as well. Um, I think people who hang on, who hung on to Harry Sheasel, I think have probably got themselves the ideal defender forward swing as well. Um, with you know Aaron Hall's papers look like they're they're stamped at um, at North Melbourne, and he's not going to get back into the team. And and Jack Zebel is look is looking like he's slowing down um, as the year goes on. So. Um, I think he had eight eight kick-ins on the weekend, which was clearly the, the highest of any North player. So his role looks looks really solid. 
Uh, I love it. And Himmelberg is, is one that, yeah, has been sort of tickling my fancy for a long while uh, this season. He's, yeah, the, the consistency is is obviously the, the issue with him. Um, it's hard to pick what GWS are going to do week in, week out. But yeah, love those options. Uh, really, really good stuff. What about if you weren't going to go with Hewitt, Charlie in the midfield, uh, is there anyone else that, that you like the look of? Yeah, well, I've just, I've just had a little, very little look at Andrew Gaff. Um, 127K down from a starting price, plays north this week. Um, which is very enticing. But I remember, yeah, like growing up in the very early days of, of me playing fantasy and Supercoach, Gaff was always one of my first picked yeah. um, players. I don't, well, yeah, I know, but I just, I, I, there was something about him. It's just that, that cheap roll off the wing. He got a lot of cheap kicks. He's averaged well over 100 for, for pretty much majority of his career. Um, slowed down in the last three, but he did turn up for the, for the first time in a long time on the weekend. Um, as I said, has a very favourable fixture this week. He's only 337k. I think he is that kind of guy that could occasionally pump out a 110, maybe. Um, very, very much based on matchups. But he plays North Melbourne and then Essendon and then Frio. Um, three teams that, yeah, I'll be honest, haven't been going very well over the last you know two months. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. Yep. I know you guys are saying it's yuck. And, no, and no. I actually, I actually don't mind it. And just, just quietly, he had 101 against North in round one of this year uh, and had 123 in, in one of his last games against them as well. So uh, he can score against North and was, has actually been really good the last couple of weeks after sort of a bit of chatter around being that he wasn't going to play again this season at AFL level. Uh, he's pumped out an 86 and a 114 in back-to-back weeks. So I think you can do a lot worse at 337K. Charlie, well done. Uh, Bandit, uh, what else you got at, at midfield? Yeah, I think we've um, we've pumped up uh, Marcus Windhager enough, but he's definitely worth um, mentioning if you've got him in your side already. He's um, it looks like they've found a bit of a role for him that that works from a fantasy standpoint, and also within the the structure that they've got going on down at uh, Moorabbin. So fingers crossed he can hold that for us. Um, I mean, the other guys that stand out really. I mean, Sam Flanders is the obvious one, isn't he? From a forward yeah. mid perspective, averaging 110 from his last five. Um, still 467k, so very affordable. Even though he's gone up over 200k from his starting price, I'm sure lots of coaches were wishing that um, he did that at the start of the year rather than now. But um, yeah, he's finally putting it all together under a new coach, which might um, be a clue as to what Stewie Drew thought of him. Um, in terms of other, <laughs> in terms of other players, um, Dion Prestia might be worth a look at 475k, averaging 107 from his last three. Um, obviously injury prone, which we know about, but. Um, yeah, he's playing some some good footy at the moment. Um, scrolling down the list, no one else really stands out to me from from that side of things. Um, Taron Thomas has been pretty solid since he's come back into the North setup. Um, looks like he's getting plenty of opportunity, averaging sort of mid to high eighties on the year so far, which is pretty good. Um, but that's about it, really. It's it's a bit of a mixed bag in in the midfield, and yeah, you could be. Having a player score score 100 one week and then scoring 50 the next. Um, I don't really like anyone in the ruck line, so not going to spend too much time. Ivan Soldo, I don't know. Uh, he's at yeah. 350K. Yeah, I'm, I mean, there's nothing really to talk about there. So save, save, save the trade. You're better off yeah, saving the trade in that, in that sense. Definitely. I, I, there's no world in which you'd be, uh, be getting in a ruck three bench cover. So we'll leave that one alone. Last option is the... Oh, Charlie, you got one? I, oh, I yes, was TDK. Also, made a little note. Again, of that slightly... Yeah. 
just at that slightly higher price point. But yeah, I, I don't. I would be doing that more as sort of a you know, if you wanted to pull the pin on Briggsy, that might be a that might be a chance to do that. Uh, forward line, we've, we've spoken about Flanders. Uh, anyone else that you like in in the forward line there, Charlie? Uh no, not really. I mean, Flanders is the very obvious one, but. Oh, I could make a slight case for Bailey Smith. Um, very underpriced yeah. as a result of yeah, a lack of midfield time this year um, compared to last season. Um, still only had two CBAs on the weekend, but he did look a lot closer to the ball and, and was a, a lot more around the footy. Managed a ton up for the first time since round 10. Um, he's not too expensive. He's definitely not out of reach. Um, just seeing now, he is uh, 399k. So yeah, much cheaper than Sard and yeah, I don't mind it. He can go big on his day. He can go very big. I'll tell you who I like in the forward line. You guys are going to hate it. You're going to absolutely freaking hate it. Um, Peter Wright. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I do hate it. I knew you would. But <laughs> listen to this draw that they have on the run run home. Sydney, West Coast, North um, in the next three. So uh, Sydney, you've got no defenders. They suck. Uh, West Coast, are West Coast, North or North. Um, that there could be, I mean, there's, there's honestly 15 to 20 goals on offer in those three games. So um, I don't mind two meter Peter uh, as, a, as an option. He's sort of from that Joe Danaher school of thought where he's either going to go big or he's going to be terrible. Um, yeah, don't hate it. Had 105 against West Coast uh, last year, um, had 139 against North a couple of years ago. Uh, he likes big bags. I don't mind that one. Uh, Bandit, anyone else uh, on in the forward line that you don't mind the look of? Uh, yeah, the one that stood out to me just with circumstances changing at, at Fremantle um, with Sean Darcy being done for the year is, is Luke Jackson uh, for 57K. Uh, turned yeah. up on the weekend, averaging 91 for the year so far, which is not too bad. Um, yeah, I just feel like with that extra opportunity of being the solo ruck, he could be um, a really strong finisher for the year and could be that perfect sort of F6, R3 cover that you're uh, that you're looking for. Yeah, I absolutely love that one. Um, some really good options there, boys. Uh, that, that turned out a lot better than I thought. That's, that's, that's kind of convinced me into a couple of those. So uh, well done. Um, a couple of more items to get through on our big, on our big topics list. Uh, the first one is I want to find a, a couple of pods for the run home. So we're talking less than 10 ownership types here. I'm talking, you know, people who have got maybe two trades left and you want to go a bit ballsy with uh, with one of them. Um, you want to go somewhere this week where, where no one else has gone for a while. So I, want, I, I told you boys to come to the pod today with, with your top three uh, pod options for the run home. Any position, any price range. I don't care if they cost 600K. I don't care if they cost 100K. Um, I'm just keen to know who you guys are looking at uh, and uh, yeah, who you might want to want to want to bring in for a bit of spice uh, over the last few weeks of the season. So, why don't you start us off, Bennett? Give us your give us your top three guys that, that you're taking a bit of a look at. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think the top one who's in eight percent of teams, maybe a little bit more of a mainstream pick, but I think LDU uh, Luke Davies Uniac. Uh, we saw it at the start of the season, just started like a house on fire, and then. Uh, got injured, which wasn't ideal, but we saw particularly the back end of last year that he he scores like the Uber Primos do on his on his day, um, and he's got a three round average currently of 132. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, at eight, at eight percent ownership, that's still low enough to be a pretty decent pod. Um, there won't be many teams in the top sort of 1,000, 2,000 teams that that have him, so he looks like a a pretty decent option to me. Yep, love that one. Really, really good. Uh, he's just got the ability to go on sort of a 140 average. Three game round, three round average uh, over the last few games of the season, and yeah, North seemed to have a, a pretty solid run home. So, yeah, don't mind that one at all, Charlie. What do you got? You got to fire back at Bandit here. That's he's gone. He's gone good early. I need a response. Well, 
not only do I think this bloke is the best pod going round, and he is a pod, he's at 9.2% um, at the time of, of talking about him, but I think he's the best option just in general, and it's Max Gorn um, coming off a huge two weeks, a 2.15 against Brisbane, a 120 against Adelaide, yeah. plays Ivan Soto this week, who, well, he averages 124 against Richmond um, in nine games. Plays North the week after, um, and then Carlton, who have, yeah, Tom DeConing is their key ruck, um, wow. their, their solo ruck. So I think he's in for, yeah, pretty big next three weeks. Um, and yeah, oh, he plays Hawthorne, sorry, after that, who averages 140 against. Um, and then Sydney, who I think are rolling, who are they rolling with? Like McLean or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so no I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, like not even talking about pods, I just think he's the best trade in, in general by probably a country mile. I like it. My worry is that the, you've, you've talked up his soft run home there. I'm worried that means he's going to get a rest, especially because they've got Grundy in the twos. They're kind of itching for an excuse to, to get Grundy back up into the seniors team. Uh, that would be my worry is that he's going to cop a week at some point, uh, whether it's against West Coast or Hawthorne or um, whoever it is or Carlton, whatever. Uh, that would be my worry with Gorney, but... Look, on balance, I agree with you, Charlie. I do think he's uh, he's the best trade on trade in option in the comp at the moment, especially because he still fits that pod status. Even though, uh, yeah, we've been talking him up. I think advantage Charlie here, Bandit. Um, you're going to have to strike back with something decent here. Who's who's your second uh, best pod? Yeah, I've gone for a uh, a forward here. I know we probably don't need any more forwards, but um, the one who sort of catches my eyes, bit of a chocolates to. Boiled Lolly's pick at, at times. Um, and I know some people have been burnt by him in the past, but Shy Bolton um, looks like he could be a, a decent enough pod at uh, 8% ownership. Um, he's had some monster times. He's had three 150 scores this year, which um, which kind of balances out his really poor games, I suppose. But just goes to show, like, if he, if he does pull one or two of those scores out in the last couple of weeks for you, um, that's going to be a huge advantage with a lot of people just not even sort of considering him as a as an option. So, um, yeah, he's one that sort of stands out to me. If you're looking for a point of difference forward, he's uh, he's at the top of my list. Yeah, really good one, that, Bennett. Um, not only the the couple of 150s, but, yeah, as I said, 120, 139. Um, yeah, and all of those big scores have come since round eight. So he hadn't, hadn't turned up until round eight this season. Uh, and since round eight, he's, he's gone on a bit of a spree. Uh, so I really like that one. He's in hot form. Uh, Richmond are still clawing their way. I mean, it's season over if they'd lost on the weekend, but they're still clawing their way around the, the finals mark. So really, really like that one. Although, yeah, like you say, we, maybe we don't need any more forwards. Charlie, your second best pod for the run home? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited by this one. It's uh, it's Hugh McCluggage uh, from the Clug. Lions. Yeah. Um, yeah, really high draft pick. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but he clearly got some talent. And yeah. Uh, well, with Will Ashcroft out, which is obviously very disappointing, but it's going to open the door for a lot more CBAs for McCluggage, which uh, which we all love. When when God closes the door, he opens a window. Um, when Dunkley was out of the side, McCluggage averaged 126. So I think that just speaks volumes about when he has the role, he can clearly score well. And yeah, he's going to have it from, from this point on. Yep, I like that one. Um, good research there too, Charlie. I like that. He's, he's come prepared to the pod today. He's got yep. the Dunkley, the Dunkley uh, time off ground stats. I, I really like it. Well done. Uh, very good on Clug. I've seen he was a very popular trading in AFL Fantasy a couple of weeks ago. And um, I think that, that's just been starting to translate over to Supercoach where, like you say, he's starting to get a little bit of attention. Bannett, you've, you've hyped me up. He's come across in the, in the podcast chat and said he's got the biggest pod ever to finish this. So, I mean, I can't wait, Bannett. Tell us what, who you got. 
Yeah, so I've uh, gone for a defender off uh, a little bit off Broadway here. It doesn't play for a, a Melbourne team, so doesn't probably get the plaudits that he deserved. He has had an injury this year, though, so um, that might be why. He's only in 1,073 teams. Oh! And his three-round average is 122. Oh, I can't his wait. His name like Sicily reincarnated. It is Sam Taylor from GWS. Oh, there we go. I love it. His last, four, his it. last four scores, 118, 117, 130, and 121. Ooh. That is elite. He could be the most underrated player in the competition, Sam Taylor. I don't think anyone in Melbourne could pick him out of a lineup. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I could not enjoy him watching him play any more than I do. He's got star written all over him. Uh, that's going to be a really, really good pick. I like it. That's going to, uh, Bandit has, has fully taken the lead there, Charlie. I'm going to need something big out of you from this last one. Who have you got? Come on. Who you got? <laughs> Pressure's on. No, I said I saved my most boring to last. It's not boring. Oh, um, it's, it's, Angus it's Angus Bradshaw. It's Angus Bradshaw. Eddie, I boring. told you a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, like he's he played very well. And um, yeah, it's just a, it's with Clary out of the side, he's just getting, you know, shouldering that midfield load, which is which is great to see. And look, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, but I think you just bring him in for safety and security. And, you know, as a D6, he's going to average 95 from here on, and he's not really going to drop below 90. Um, he shot on the weekend, he can score relatively high. He had a yeah. 126. Um, yeah, I think it's just a safe, very safe pick. If you're looking to hold your rank for, for here on out, um, I think he's probably one of the number one defensive pot options. I agree he's a really good option. I agree that he's got um, a pretty high floor at this point. I think we know what we're going to get from him week in, week out with no Clary. I did, the ceiling just isn't there for me. Um, I, I can't really see him pumping out those sort of 140, 150s that you really want from an exciting pod. So I'm going to give this one ding, ding, ding. Bandit Bandit takes the chockies here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right on the line. I can't believe you I choked like that one. Daylight robbery and disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, last of our big topics. I gave um, Nico and Dylan last week a bit of a chance to to give us their favorite, their top five favorite AFL players. And I, I really wanted to hear from you guys as well, because um, as I said last week, I think this, this says a lot about uh, who you are as a football fan, which players that you like to watch. Um, all, all three of us last week picked uh, the Bont as one of our fat top five players to watch. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to find out where you guys are at with this. So Charlie, I might... Just get you to go through your five, four, three, two, one. Give us all of your votes uh, off the top of your head there, if you wouldn't mind. All right. Starting from the bottom, he's a new entry uh, to the top five, and it's come from the back of, of Supercoach, really. It's Jack Steele. I just find myself rooting for him week in, week out. I want to Oh, know my who, God. Um, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm, just, I'm in love with him. It's a what he's putting out at the moment. Yeah, he's uh, no, he looks great. He's got great leadership qualities. And I actually, I was, I researched him today, um, just to get a bit of background info. I didn't realize that, um, yeah, I didn't realize that St Kilda gave up, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't realize St Kilda gave up a second rounder for him, mm. which is just that's incredible. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a Brownlow front runner, um, when he's fit. Yeah, yeah, he was he was one of that early wave of GWS mids that that got out of there, um, sort of before mm. the um, before the Dylan Shield Tim Taranto types. He was the he was one of the the original ones that couldn't get a game there and, and came out of St Kilda. I, look, I love Jack Steele too. Um, I don't love how much you guys love him, uh, but I do enjoy <laughs> I do enjoy the way he goes about it. What about you four? Yeah, okay. So for Darcy Moore, um, I yep. think he's the best captain in the comp. By a very long way. Um, yeah, love the way he presents himself. Love the way he 
captains on field, off field. Um, yeah, he's he's very dreamy. Uh, don't mind him. Marcus Bontempelli comes in yeah. at three. Gotta um, have the bond. Gotta have the bond. Yeah, I don't really need a, to talk about why he's on there. I think that just speaks for itself. Number two, Nicky Dacos. Eddie, uh, I feel bad for you because you were sat next to me at the Collingwood Port game. I was. <laughs> every every minute or every time Dacos was was around the My ball. Boy Nicky. A... My boy, Nicky. My boy, Nicky. Go, Nick. Go, Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah, but just, yeah, rooting for him. I, I wanted to win a Brownlow this year. Um, yeah, he's a great player. And number one, um, he's been number one on my list for really a while. Um, don't know why. Uh, I think he's probably the player that I most try to, to emulate my game around. Um, I think when when fully fit, if he played a full 22-game season, I think he'd be very close to the Brownlow. It's Scott Gumbleton, isn't it? <laughs> 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 no, I think I think yeah, he's probably one of the most talented players in the AFL when fit, and it's Josh Kelly from the Giants. Yep, uh, I actually don't mind that. I thought you were gonna. I did, didn't know where you were quite going with that. Um, I thought you were gonna try and compare yourself to I don't know Jack Viney or something, which would have been <laughs> hilarious. But uh, yeah, Josh Josh Kelly's a good call. Uh, good call, smooth mover, emblematic of uh, of the Ferrari that they've got up at GWS. So don't mind those, Charlie. I think those are five very good picks. What about you, Ben? And I think I don't remember seeing yours put through in our chat, so I'm very interested to see where you've gone. What, give us your five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, can't remember what the boys voted last week, but I think mine will be kind of similar to to what they had. So, um, I think top five. Um, I didn't really have these in any, partic- in any particular order, but Toby Green was at the top of my list. Um, yeah. You know, I think just because the Giants are so off Broadway most of the time, um, he doesn't really get the the plaudits he deserves. He deserves as a footballer, um, but I think the captaincy this year has really brought him on in a lot of people's eyes. And um, yeah, if, if he was playing for a big Melbourne club, he I think people would probably clearly consider him one of the top three, if not the you know best player in the competition, just from a pure yeah. impact sense. He's um, I'll never forget uh, one of my uh, one of my friends uh, used to work as um, used to do a bit of work with like the, the getting universities going into footy clubs and, and helping the the, guy, the footy guys study at uni. Uh, and she she would always say that um, when they would go to the Giants, Toby Green was like the leader of the study group at the Giants, um, which doesn't fit with the image that we get of him on the outside. But he was sort of the one that was rounding the boys up, getting them to study, getting them get do their assignments on time, all that sort of thing. So yeah, always been a big Toby Green fan. I think he gets a gets a very rough rap. Yeah, he's probably playing, paying for uh, indiscretions of the past, which um, I think he's moved on from a bit, which is which is good. Um, James Sicily was was my next one. Bit of a Hawthorne bias creeping in here, but um, yeah, I think in terms of like pure intercept defenders, um, there's not many um, not many better than him. Um, his aerial work and his ball use is um, is elite, um, and he's just come back bigger and better than ever from that from that ACL he did a few years ago. Um, the next one on my list was was Petrarca. Um, he's probably one of the most complete players in the game, I reckon. I think we're starting to see that a bit more now that he's being used a bit more as a forward. Um, you know, he's I think all the analysts and stuff that I listen to during the week um, have said that he's pretty much um, you know the number one forward target. When it, whenever Melbourne target him, they generally wow. score. So um, yeah, I and think passes that's the just, eye test. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think he's um, a really good player to watch, regardless of, of who you follow. Um, Jezza Cameron was the next one on my list. Um, just from I had Jezza key, in mine. I love yeah, watching Jezza. Just from a key forward standpoint, like there's no one else really that I'd probably have in front of him. Um, just the ability that he has to turn a game on his own boot, um, whether that's kicking goals inside 50 or getting further up the ground and getting his hands on the ball. Um, you know, we saw at the start of the year when he was 
kicking goals and getting on the ground as well um, was was pretty ridiculous. And there's no one else really that is capable of doing that. Um, you know, at a, at a comparable size, um, yeah, he's probably head and shoulders above the rest. Um, and then I had Bont to to round out the the list as well. Um, you know, just having a, a super year, and he's just such a a smooth mover. You know, we're talking about Josh Kelly, but Bont's probably the the less injury prone version of, of Josh Kelly. Um, just yeah, such an, an elite kick, um, and he's hitting the scoreboard probably more than what he was earlier in, earlier in his career. So um, yeah, if there was a guy who's you know just embraced the the hype of being, you know, that generational player that, you know, we talk um, about for footy clubs. He's he's definitely become that for the Bulldogs. He's comfortably within the, the top echelon of their, their, you know, best ever players, which is pretty hard to believe considering he's, you know, not even in the back end of his career. Incredible. Yeah, I I think we had a fair bit of crossover there, Bannett. So, yeah, rate those picks, boys. It, it's actually pretty funny, I think, how common the top players have been across uh, the five people that we've had on this podcast over the last two weeks. Um, yeah, which goes to show, I think we all are appreciative of good football above anything else, which is which is good to know. Uh, it is a huge time of year for content, boys. So I did want to give the, the SC Playbook subscription package a bit of a plug. $50 gets you full access to all of our NRL, AFL and BBL content for the next 12 months. Uh, you get access to extra premium articles every single round, access to our WhatsApp group with weekly Q&As with contributors, uh, and the SC Playbook community. Uh, and if you did want to just join for the AFL package, it's just $20 for the rest of the season. Um, and yeah, that is very worthwhile given, yeah, the sort of one-on-one uh, coaching and um, and feedback we're able to give you in those WhatsApp channels, which, uh, which we really enjoy. Uh, and I think our subscribers really enjoy it as well. So if you are interested in that, head over to the SC Playbook website. Uh, we've got a couple of big articles this week, which will be subscriber only. So highly encourage getting involved. Uh, with that, uh, boys' plans for this week? Of, of either, are either of you going to be trading this week, Charlie, Bandit? Nah, I'm out of trades. Out of trades, Bandit? Uh, I've got two left, as I said before. Um, no trades at this stage. I do have a bit of a watch on Matt Rowell, who is in my side at the moment. He's been pretty disappointing over the last sort of four or five weeks just with that midfield mix changing. Uh, Chief's got his hands in the air just asking, you know, why do I bring him <laughs> in? But, uh, yeah, he's, he's been a little bit disappointing and hasn't probably quite delivered on what I um, hoped he would. So, um, yeah, if he continues to underperform, I may look at potentially moving him on just as a final throw of the stumps to get up into that top 1,000. Yep, I love it. What about now? What about captains and vice-captains, Bandit? You're our resident... Uh, captaincy expert over at scplaybook.com.au come out with a ripping article every week. Uh, who you've been, who have you been passing your eye over to start this week? Yeah, it's a tricky week this week. Um, Dacos obviously in the first game of the round against Carlton looks like a decent play, although they have tagged Dacos in the past with with some success. Um, even though he did turn up against them last time, he he came up against the Blues, but um, he looks like a pretty obvious one. Um, and then I also really liked Stewart against Frio um, down at the Cattery. I think last time they played yeah. down there, he scored 186 or something like that. So um, all the stats will be in the, the article later this week. But um, yeah, he's looking like a pretty likely VC candidate for me. And then the one that I like slightly out of left field for, for a captaincy point of view is um, is Josh Dunkley, um, two 140 plus scores in his last three against, uh, against the Gold Coast. Um, he should be good to go after having a bit of a blow the cobwebs uh, run out against the Cats last week. So, uh, yeah, he looks like a, a nice point of difference play if you're looking to throw the captaincy on someone a little bit left field. I like it. And both teams have a lot to play for in that Q clash as well. Whereas, yeah, we don't normally, this time of year, the Q clash is kind of a bit of a dead rubber. Brisbane up the top, 
Gold Coast down the bottom. But yeah, this year the, the Suns are still in the the finals hunt, and Brisbane are really in with a with a top two shot. So yeah, could see a bit of spice in that game, and that really will suit Josh Dunkley, who I think is going to love uh, that sort of contested mindset. Uh, and anything else to sh- throw in that list, Charlie? Um. Oh well, you can't go past Bond against GWS, Eddie. As you said, it's it's one of the biggest rivalries currently going around. Certainly in 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 our generation, I would like to think um, he's he's going to dominate. He's a big game player. Had one one sixty four in them last time he played them, which was round out this year. Um, so yeah, my my plans. I think I'll be going with a left field VC in Tom Stewart, avoiding Nick Dacos just because of that tag risk. Um, Stewart's got a great record, as you said, Bandit at the Cattery, um, and yeah, against Frio at the Cattery more in particular uh, with that one eighty seven, and then yeah, I'll, I'll fall back on Bond as the um, the very very safe captain option that he is. Um, yeah, I, I love the look of Stewart. I think it's going to be very hard for me to go past Stewart as a vice captain. Um, yeah, Nerrett against the Swans um, potentially. Uh, Bandit, you've cheekily thrown in there Steel versus the Hawks, which uh, I don't think anyone should go with. Uh, Jack Steele's going to burn you all. Uh, just take that and mark that down. Um, yeah, lots of good options this week, uh, which is great to see. But you can check all those out in Bandit's, uh, Bandit's captaincy article later this week. Now, each round of the season, uh, we're going to be producing an exclusive SC playbook market of our own through Better. Um, we're extremely excited. We've now got access to integrating official AFL fantasy markets with Better. Charlie, have we got a have we got an exclusive Better market for this week? We do, Eddie. I was tossing and turning. Um, oh, I should just stress it's not live yet, so this is just just the details. Don't have the actual odds. I was tossing and turning between taking a Nick Dacos unders special um, because of yep. that tag risk. So that would have been under thirty disposals and under hundred AFL fancy points. Um, I reckon that would have netted us a fair bit of value, but I went away from that, um, and instead I'm doing with the man that, that we're all talking about, George Stewart, eighty-five plus AFL fantasy, and Charlie Kerno to kick three plus goals. He's coming off a huge game against the Eagles. Um, yeah, as I've said, it's Friday night under the MCG lights. I think he's going to dazzle um, and have another brilliant performance. Love it. Um, you can check out that market and all those odds uh, later this week through our website. Once that goes up, uh, should be up by tomorrow, Charlie, I would guess. Um, yeah, to follow along, you can check it out on the SC Playbook website. If you can, uh, if you are linking up a new account with Better, it would be much appreciated if you could go through that link on our site. Uh, let's Better know that we sent you. Uh, what are you really gambling with? Set a deposit limit. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Last thing to get through, boys, we've got a joke of a question come through from Tom on Instagram who wants to know, what does Eddie think of Sam Draper as an option at any stage of his career? Uh, Yeah, Tom, you can go and get stuffed, my friend. (laughs) Sam Draper is going to be a premium super coach Ruckman next year. Mark it down, take it to to the grave. It's going to happen. Boys, uh, really appreciate your time this evening. Uh, Great pot as always. Uh, Bandit, much appreciated. Look after that shiner you've got on your your left eye there. Uh, Go well at footy this weekend, Uh, Charlie. Hopefully you get through the rest of this week with no injuries and and you can get out there this weekend as well. Uh, Thanks very much for your time, boys. Appreciate it.